Stage first shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478 Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Once again, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Ceballero. And with me this week is the birthday boy, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how does it feel to finally be at 50 years old? Uh, no comment. <laughs> I'm not there yet, man. Don't, don't. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm not there yet. I am I am celebrating my 47th anniversary of my first birthday. Oh, so, that's awesome, uh, man. Yeah. You know, um, so I wouldn't have pegged older, you. Older, but not necessarily wiser. <laughs> I wouldn't have pegged you to be, what is that, 48 then? Or 48? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I wouldn't have said that, man. I thought maybe you were like, uh, the way you act, like 26. Yeah, and and don't look a day over forty seven. So that's yeah. right, man. Well, happy birthday, man! And uh, you I'm know, sure you they had say great... 48 is the new twenty five. So yeah, the people who are forty eight say that. So that's, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's really true, man. But uh, yeah, happy birthday! That... Hope you had a hope you had a great week. Yeah, I've reached that that sad point in life where when when twenty five year old girls smile fetchingly at me, it's because I remind them of their fathers. <laughs> Usually, when they smile at me, it's because they want me to help them take something heavy out of their car. That's so, true. Yeah, I mean, so it's no more. I don't attract those women anymore, you know. <laughs> so I'm sure that it's just uh, part of getting old, man. It's only going to get worse. Yeah, but uh, that's it. So one of the things that we haven't done is we've really tried to, you know, spend some time and, and talk about the, the hot topics in EMS. And I think yeah. we've done good. We haven't talked about the news in a little bit. And uh, I think we're going to uh, give the news a run today. There's a lot of great stories that are going into this week. So, Kelly, why don't you go ahead and give us our first one and let's get to getting I have found one that is that uh, struck my fancy. This comes out of Collier County, Florida. Chris, just offhand, what would you say the vast majority, what demographic would you say the vast majority of our patients fall into age-wise? I would think that the vast majority, if I have to guess, would say maybe 30 to 35 Oh God! Come on, man. We take we take care of elderly people. Um, you know, I don't know, man. Like I would say, fifty five to sixty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We take care of elderly people. The vast majority of them, and one of the things we get precious little uh, real world experience in, or, or training in, prior to to stepping foot on an ambulance, is, is dealing with elderly patients, particularly the demented ones. Back in back in the day, I used to have nursing home contracts with my for my EMT classes so that my students could could practice patient assessment and and uh, histories on on nursing home patients uh, and it worked great for them well here in Collier County Florida uh, uh, a news article from the Naples Daily News um, says that the Collier County Emergency Medical Services is putting some of their paramedics through virtual dementia training uh, they put these guys through a uh, through a uh, a little practical exam or, or, or simulation, uh, simple simple tasks like putting a Band-Aid on a nasal cannula and bandaging and, and uh, inserting uh, endotracheal tubes and stuff. Um, but they applied a little sim- sensory deprivation and, and some other things to make them, uh, give them an idea of what a dementia patient goes through. Uh, <clears throat> um, 
this uh, this program is a joint endeavor between uh, Collier County EMS and Barrington Terrace, an assisted living facility in the area, and they teach us first responders how to approach dementia patients and allows them to experience the symptoms uh, and and the uh, difficulty in dealing with uh, everyday tasks uh, as an elderly person. They uh, they wear uh, uh, heavy gloves to limit their dexterity, have spiky insoles in their shoes to imitate neuropathy, and uh, headphones covering their ears, and, and uh, uh, blaring sirens, and all sorts of other stuff to disorient them and, and give them kind of the sensory uh, uh, perception of, of being a dementia patient. I think that's something that's a, it's a unique approach to dealing with elderly patients and teaching our our medics some empathy uh, in that regard with our, our largest subset of patients. You know, so I think that one of the things that, you know, when you look at this, this is a really great way to train. And we go back to the old days of the old GEMS course, and NAMT has now uh, rejuvenated that GEMS course, which is the Geriatric Emergency Management uh, um, course. And it was a really great course. And, and as part of that course, you went through this this process as well. And, you know, one of the things that we think about is just because somebody is presenting and they look like they're okay, um, that they had to get used to, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the changes in their bodies and, and they're living with them. Now, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've started to, I'm not 48 anymore, I'm 51. And uh, this year I've started to get a little bit arthritis in my fingers and it makes me a little bit cognizant now of when people say they have arthritis pain and you're like, what the heck is that? And why is that a big deal? You know, I got to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, my hands were so stiff, I couldn't even open a, a a jar, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to now get one of those little, you know, little uh, rubber things or whatever it is to open. But, you know, so as we get older and as we start to feel these symptoms we just go along every day as we get used to it. Initially, we're like, how are we going to live with this? And then, you know, we, we go through the patterns of figuring out how to deal with it. So when we talk about neuropathy, when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, decreased dexterity, when we talk about these folks have learned to live with it and we don't see it. So at least when we have the opportunity to go through this virtual training, we kind of have a little bit of, I like how you said it, we can gain a little bit of empathy to say what people are really going through. And, you know, people that have neuropathy, this isn't the first day that they've been dealing with it. They've been dealing with it a long time. And I think we become a little bit um, disconnected, but only because those patients can't explain to us what they're going through, only because it's normal for them. I agree. And, uh, you know, Acadian had for, for many years a an award-winning program called Carpe Diem uh, that they put all their medics through, teach them how to uh, – how to approach elderly patients with some respect and, and, and compassion and empathy. And, uh, they did much of the things that later, uh, were included in the gyms course. You know, they, they put gloves on you with popsicle sticks attached to them to limit your dexterity. And, and, uh, some of us volunteered to wear diapers and, and, uh, diapers with simulated feces in them just to, you know, for the entire class, just to see how it felt for, for an elderly patient to be wearing a, an undergarment that was soiled. And, and, uh, you know, we go to nursing homes or, or we pick up patients at hospitals to bring them back home. And we don't think about those things and we consider it not our job, but, you know, um, I think compassion is everybody's job, you know, and, and until you've tried to communicate to, with someone with cotton in your ears and wearing a pair of eyeglasses with Vaseline, smeared all over the lenses except for a little pinpoint right in the middle of the lens uh uh you don't gain
gain an appreciation for for the challenges that many of our elderly patients face. And and I think uh, I'm I'm ready to give some kudos to Collier County EMS uh, on being proactive in that regard. I think that's going to be a an eye opener for the paramedics to go through the training and and their their elderly patients that they care for are going to get better care because of it. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I, th- and I think that one of the things to think about here is if you're interested in this course, get in touch with uh, NEMT and, uh, you know, secondary to what's going on down there in Florida and uh, see if you can get that course. But yeah, Kelly, let me ask, yeah, let me ask you this question, though. So I think that when we, you know, almost like pediatrics, um, if you go back and you think about the geriatric training that you were going to get in uh, uh, paramedic school or EMT training, I don't think we get enough uh, of that training as well. I mean, we spend a lot of time in the other areas. Secondarily, I don't think that we spend a lot of time in the pediatric area or we spend a lot of time with, you know, dealing with dementia patients or dealing with, uh, um, you know, mentally ill patients. And, you know, so when we think about our, our, our the geriatric population, you know, because that's the majority of the patients that we're going to see, what do you think that we need to learn as EMS providers and maybe we could think of the top three things here together of EMS providers to deliver the highest quality of patient care to that special population. Well, you know, I think, I think, uh, textbooks and, and our, our, uh, educational guidelines have started to address the problem in recent years. Uh, you know, pretty much every EMS textbook you, you find nowadays will still have, uh, will have a chapter on lifespan development and, and talking about geriatrics and pediatrics and the changes in, as we age. But that material is just so dry that uh, it's often many educators and the students just look at it as something to get through, uh, to get onto the, to the meat of the program. And I, I think we do it a disservice. One of the things I've, I first think that we should do is some active exercises to, to foster empathy with those patients. Uh, you know, as far as pediatrics go, uh, how to deal with, with little kids without being such a big, scary authoritarian, uh, uh, figure, uh, in a, in a uh, intimidating-looking uniform, driving a big, loud truck, uh, how to how to get down on a child's level uh, and and uh, you know seem less threatening to them uh, in, in a very stressful time. In the same way with with elderly patients, uh, recognize the challenges that they're going through and and recognize simple things like simple respect. You know, how many times have you seen colleagues refer to an elderly patient as sweetie or sugar or honey or that kind of thing? They're very patronizing. Um, we don't realize that we're being patronizing. And heck, here in the South, everybody's honey or sugar or, or bebe or, or sha. Um, and that's just the way we talk in the South. But quite a few people don't like that. Um, what is it? So, bebe? Bebe. bebe. Uh, or uh, the, they shorten it to bay now and that I just just to test that oh, but uh bae. hey bay yeah um, huh. um that. you know uh, one of the things that you know you people that are unfamiliar with with new orleans and and southern louisiana culture used to criticize the night watch uh, paramedics for, for calling everybody baby um but that's just how they talk that's how they talk and 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 if that's part of your culture and lingo that's how you develop a rapport you call everybody baby um 
but and it's not demeaning in that context but uh simple respect and understanding of of what these people go through and i think classes like gyms uh where you you uh do those those learning exercises to make that to to drive that point home where it's uh less a dry lecture and and more active learning uh and experiential learning makes a big difference so yeah, and I, think I don't know if thing- I can come up with three, but that's that's at least one right there. Well, I think we could do it. I mean, we're pretty smart people. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you bring up that the, the, the terms of endearment that we use. And when I was in Texas, of course, it was uh, an interesting learning experience uh, because, as you mentioned, it's a little bit of the Southern culture. You know, but when we think about, you know, one of the things that happened with me is I was doing it. I was guilty of it. I was saying, I would say sweetie all the time or, you know, whatever it is. And a woman one time said to me, she goes, I- I'm not your sweetie. And I said, you know, ma'am, you're absolutely right. And I want to apologize. I-, I was just a little bit loose with my, you know, with my vocabulary. And I apologize to you for that. But it really kind of opens up your eye to think that just because we're saying something and no one is talking mm-hmm. about it doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean that they're going to appreciate it. And, I- and I'll tell you a story about that as well. So when I went down to Texas. I went from uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and I was working up there in the Northeast Division of AMR, working down in Brockton, Massachusetts with uh, some friends. And, you know, um, so when I went down to uh, Texas, I got a job working at a small hospital in a, in a rural uh, rural town, and I was actually building a cardiopulmonary rehab department and their EMS agency uh, got toned out on two calls, and then they got a third call, and they asked if I would get on to the ambulance and run the call. And, of course, I was happy to do that. Now, one of the things I was doing is I was painting, and you know, so I didn't look my best, and I was actually wearing my earrings as well. And I went to somebody's home who was in uh, obvious, having an obvious MI. I mean, grabbing their shoulder when you walked in, and they were sweating, and put them on the monitor and, you know, you could see some elevation in the lateral leads. And I said, sir, are we going to need to take you to the hospital? And he said very, very quickly to me, you know, I don't want your kind in my house and I don't want you to touch me or take care of me. And I didn't understand. And I initially I thought he was talking about because I had a Northeast accent and that I was, um, you know, he didn't want anybody touching him from the Northeast. And I, I relinquished the, the care to my partner and uh, went ahead and drove and, and took it. And at the end, uh, my partner said, I said, can you believe this guy didn't want to talk to me because I was from New York? He goes, no. He goes, you're wearing earrings. And he thought you were gay. And you know what? I, I never really thought about the presentation. I never really thought about the lingo. But really, that changed my focus. And we're talking about this was probably 1999. And it really kind of changed my focus to patient care that I had to be more cognizant of how I presented outwardly. Um, Because this is a guy that if there wasn't another paramedic on the scene, you know, he could have, uh, you know, succumbed to this MI because he thought that I was, you know, something that he didn't appreciate, obviously, which uh, is a whole other discussion. But, you know, when we think about the terms of endearment or we think about our, our facial hair or when we think about how we're disheveled when we look in our uniform... I think that has a big place in how our our ability to to deliver the highest quality of patient care comes across. I mean, you ever thought about that? Oh yeah, it does. We we you know the I don't know who it was that said that uh, almost ninety percent of communication is nonverbal, uh, and we're often not cognizant of of the signals that we send I out. I think that by. was Marcel Marceau, wasn't it? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> no. maybe okay. uh, walking in the wind. Uh, who put this wall here? Um, but, uh, 
you know, most communication is nonverbal and we're often not cognizant of the, uh, of the signals we send out by our demeanor, by our dress, uh, by our mere interaction with people. Um, well, I mean, I think I got a couple things. I mean, first off, to put to put the icing on this cake, I think one of the things that we have to do is we really have to spend some time, just like we talk about pediatrics, Kelly, we've really got to spend some time and polish our knowledge on how we're dealing with geriatric patients as well. I mean, it's not just the special population of pediatrics. I mean, we think about our, our elderly patients and there's a change in their anatomy and there's a, you know, a change in their uh, ability, their, their gross motor skills and their fine motor skills. And, you know, again, we, we just take for granted that, you know, they're just regular adult people. And I don't know that we really take into account the, the things that we need to uh, be aware of when it comes to dealing with this special population. And, you know, when we think about our initial training, again, how much time was spent specifically around the geriatric patient? And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't think that there was, uh, you know, tons. But, you know, the, the, the work that they're doing down in Collier County, you know, the GEMS course is a really great course to give you the opportunity to understand some of the pathophysiology, some of the anatomy changes, and really how to deal with, you know, the, this geriatric population. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned before that I want to touch on, I don't want to gloss over, is you talked about respect and, and when we were talking about the terms of endearment. One of the things to think about is these are people who are, are really, you know, we think about how elderly folks are treated. There is a lot of disrespect when we think about, you know, someone who was the, the captain of industry or something who was you know, somebody who was a war hero. And, and now that they're 80 and 90 years old, it, it seems that they're forgotten or it seems that, uh, you know, everything that they've accomplished in their life was now, uh, you know, pushed aside because they're 80 years old. One of the things I think we need to remember is, you know, you and I joking about our, our birthdays, uh, me being 51, you being 48. Hopefully you and I are going to be in our 70s and 80s one day. And, you know, we're, you know, we're known in our career field and we're educators and, you know, we, we, we're doing the things that we're doing. So is everything that we've accomplished in our career going to be pushed aside now when we get into to be the, uh, you know, the old age and being elderly and then we're going to be disrespected. And, uh, you know, there's something I think we've got to be really cognizant of is that, you know, the, the people who have lived their life and the people who have the wrinkles and the people who are now, uh, you know, getting up there in age, you know, I think it's something that really needs to be uh, celebrated. And instead of treating people like they don't, uh, they don't matter, I got to tell you, it breaks my heart every time you go into a nursing home and see how those elderly patients are being treated. You know, these are people who are, were successes. These were people who were strong in their day. These were people who, you know, whatever it was. And, and I think that we forget that. And I think that's something that we really have to pay more attention to. So I'm glad that uh, we had the opportunity to talk about this today. And again, kudos to Collier County. If you're interested in learning more about geriatrics, get in touch with any EMT and talk to them about bringing a GEMS course to your uh, organization. But there's one more thing I wanted to bring up, Kelly, before we transition to the close. And uh, you and I get a lot of uh, email. Uh, people call us and they ask us to come to their EMS conferences. I was just in uh, Covington, Kentucky and uh, at speaking at one of the EMS conferences there. And, uh, you know, if you guys are interested of having uh, Kelly or I come to your EMS conference, you know, I've got my own content. Kelly has his own content. Uh, we can do a joint uh, class together. We, we're developing those uh, if you're interested. Uh, one of the other things is we can bring a recording of uh, Inside EMS to your conference as well. So if you're interested in doing that, 
go ahead and give us a holler at the show at ems1.com. Let us know what you want, and we can go ahead and go through the application process if you want us to join, and we're happy to do that. But we're getting more and more requests, Kelly, so it was uh, really something that we wanted to go ahead and point out. But uh, I got to tell you, man, I mean, with that said, you know, I think we had a really great show talking about geriatrics and that education. But let's go ahead and do the close and uh, see. uh, we'll see our folks next week. Okay. Hey, but that's what we think about it. We'd like to know what you think. So email us your concerns, comments, questions, and suggestions at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and slightly older co-host, Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>